Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Inside Strategic Coach Podcast with Dan Sullivan. Mm. Dan, you have a really interesting take on pricing. You mm-hmm. were talking about it earlier today, and I thought, what a fantastic topic, because a lot of people don't know how to price their service or their product or their experience, and you have a context around it, which I find quite novel and quite useful. So when you think about pricing either one of strategic coach products or coaching one of our clients on how to price something, how do you look at it? I can give you five different dimensions on how we approach it and just generally what you intend to charge. Uh I would say that the vast majority of entrepreneurs, what they will charge is totally determined by what the competition is doing. So they're taking their reference from people who actually don't mean them well. So their authority is people who (laughs) actually don't want them to have any return on pricing. So from the very beginning, I didn't want to use my competition as my reference point. And the reason is that I didn't want my value creation to be determined by what they were doing. I wanted to be completely independent of what people who perhaps might think that they're my competition are doing. If they're worrying about it at night, if somebody's worrying about it at night, I want them to be the person worrying about it at (laughs) night. I want to sleep soundly. But here's the thing about pricing, and a lot of people think that there's some objectivity to pricing, and there really isn't. One of my clients who's really, really knowledgeable on the stock market He said that the average price on the big board on the New York Stock Exchange now lasts 21 seconds, 21 seconds. So the price has changed. Well, what's that determined on? I said, well, for this next 21 seconds, this is what it costs. And 21 seconds later, and it can go up and it can go down. And the sheer complexity that determines that is being determined by a million different factors. So there's no objective way of knowing what the price is except what you have to pay right at the moment. So it's totally subjective. But I tried to get a handle on this in terms of pricing. So, for example, I said, now I don't want to know what my competition is charging, you know, if they have a $10,000 price, I don't want to know what they're doing for that. I'm going to look entirely at the check writer, at the customer, and I'm going to say, when they spend $10,000 on something, what kind of experience are they buying with $10,000? And how does that experience get packaged? What comes along with that experience? So, for example, it might be You know, for certain check writers, it might be a week in New York at a really good hotel, have great restaurants. You know, they go to shows and everything else, and it's for a whole week, and it's $10,000. So I said, so what is their criteria while they're spending $10,000 in New York for what kind of value they're receiving in your money? And all of a sudden, you begin. So I said, you know, I kind of have to look like New York. I have to look like a really great hotel. I have to look like a really great restaurant, a first-class show, and then just the general experience of $10,000. It isn't about what a workshop or what a program or an educational conference gives you for $10,000. Is what do people expect? 
at our highest level right now, you know, it's $50,000. So I say, you know, what do people pay $50,000 for? Well, they spend that, you know, and this isn't the highest price, but they spend it on great college year for their children. Mm -hmm. So I said, so what kind of satisfaction, what kind of emotional experiences are tied? And these are all subjective. These are not objective, Mm -hmm. okay? And you just have to get in what they think is valuable that they would write a check for $50,000. So that's one thing that is entirely subjective, and you have to see it entirely through the check-writing pleasure of your clients and customers. You do not look at it from any other standpoint of competitiveness in the marketplace with other people, and their coaching is a big deal. And this is a topic for uh, another podcast, Shannon. I think coaching is the number one industry of the 21st century, as important as management was in the 20th century. So my feeling is the 21st is going to be more and more of a coaching century. Every area of human activity is going to be coaching. Second one is that when you're scared about quoting a price, remember, you're the only one scared about it. The person who is the prospect or the potential customer or client, well, they're not scared of your price because they haven't heard your price. So all the fear you have about pricing is strictly going on in your own nervous system and in mm-hmm. your own brain. And the confidence with which you say the price is part of the sale, okay? And in order to make yourself confident, you got to be okay with a no. Mm. You got to be totally upfront that it's $50,000. And they say, oh, no, no, no. You know, I'll do it for 40. And I said, I'm sorry. I said, the kind of people who join my program don't even look at that as a cost. They look at it as an investment. So you're looking at $50,000 as a cost. So what that tells me is that this is not the right program for you. So people who pay $50,000 for our upper-level program, they say, well, that's getting what I'm going to get out of this program, that's a pretty good deal. Okay, So that's another thing. And then the other thing, I've got like a formula that any time you ask for a price, the first time that's higher than any price that you've ever quoted in the past, it's going to scare you. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very natural because the four C's concept we have in the program is that you're committed to quoting a higher price because you believe you're worth it, and it's going to require courage the first time you do it. But the first time you do it, whether they say yes or whether they say no, if you stick to your price, you're going to gain capability and confidence. You just ask the wrong check writer. And that's my attitude. And somewhere along the line, somebody's going to say, gee, that sounds really reasonable. And you're into the confidence level. You just found it. So the value of things is strictly what people are willing to pay for it. And I want to talk about it. I'm a big sports fan. I was just noting the contracts that some of baseball players, really top baseball players, are getting $450 million dollars. For 13 years, 330 million, I think it was for 13, and 30 million for 10 years. And we were having discussions in one of the coach workshops, and entrepreneurs say, There is no baseball player worth $450 million. And I said, Well, of course they are. Somebody just wrote the check, somebody (laughs) just signed the contract. You know, it doesn't matter what happens, this guy's going to get $450 million. And they said, But it's absurd. And I said, Well, no. 
And I'll say, I'll give you a number. I said, first of all, it's only billionaires who write this check. So somewhere along the line, they got to be a billionaire because they kind of understand pricing. So if they're writing a $450 million check over 13 years, they probably have a 10 times multiplier in there somewhere that mm-hmm. if I do this now, I'm going to get $4.5 billion back from this investment. And there's an interesting ratio, and it goes back, when I first started watching baseball it was the late 1950s. And I went back and I checked, what's the ratio in 1959, so 60 years ago, between the total amount of salaries for a ball club and the market value of the baseball company, the baseball organization. And the ratio is exactly the same. They know exactly what they can spend based on the value of their ball club. And in the end, the ultimate value for them is what they would sell their ball club for. Uh So it's really, really interesting. So those are just some of my thoughts about pricing. Mm -hmm. I find it fascinating, Dan, and you have really implemented this with Coach because you have very much a hospitality model. Talk about that for a moment because, first of all, I think it provides a very gracious atmosphere. It's wonderful. We have your attitude when someone comes in late is not to make them wrong, but simply to put them at ease and let's get them as comfortable as possible. But it really did come out of this model that you have about what you're comparing Mm -hmm. yourself to is not a competitor, but rather what someone else would pay that kind of money for. Yeah, and I would say that, you know, and I'm going to connect pricing with packaging here, that how do we package ourselves as strategic coach? And I think with very few exceptions over the years, people have said, you know, this is just such a great environment you've created here. You know, the way it's designed, the way it's decorated, how everybody interacts with us. And I said, yeah. And I said, I've always had a passion of visiting when I wasn't staying there and oftentimes staying with really top-notch hotels. And I just watch what it feels like when you walk into a what they call a five-star hotel. We had a very famous local example that is now, I guess, probably 50 years old, and it's the Four Seasons Hotel that started with a motel mm-hmm. in Toronto uh, back in the late 60s or early 70s. And from the moment you walked through the doors, you just felt taken care of. And I said, so one of the things that people associate with a great experience and a great return on any kind of check they write is that they immediately feel that they've been totally taken care of by the other people. So I tell our team, I said, they're coming for the workshop, and we constantly try to improve the impact of the thinking exercises and the way the structures happen in the workshop. But I have to tell you, their most memorable thing from the time they arrive, and even before they arrive, how they were communicated with before they arrive, is that they felt totally taken care of. And I remember the Four Seasons had a great line for a number of years, it's your home when you're not at home. Mm. And yesterday in one of our workshops, somebody who you know really, really knows educational conferences and workshops, he said, I want to tell you, this is my second visit, and I've been here you know, for two days and then four days because they get a double up at mm-hmm. the level that they're at. And he said, I just feel like at home. And then a lot of people in the room said, yeah, I feel kind of like I'm at home here. And to me, that's us getting a five-star rating. 
Uh-huh. You know, it's a five-star rating. We've done our job as far as how they feel about the fact that they're writing what other people would consider a really big check, what a cost for something. And I feel that if they feel at home, the term cost is not part of their thinking. Uh-huh. You know, it's an investment, and they got this out. And what we're going to show them is that for as long as they feel that this is a worthwhile investment, we're going to keep increasing the different ways in which they feel at home. That all goes into my pricing. So I see it more and more, not from our point of view. I see it certainly not from the point of view of our competitors. I see it entirely from who are our check writers and what do they feel good about when they write a check this big, Uh that they feel they're going to get a tremendous return. Uh So, Dan, we've talked about what pricing is, and I think you've really also describe why it's important. How can people take action on this? Some people are so aware of what their competitors are doing, and they're always like trying to get ahead. But this is really a different mindset Mm -hmm. around pricing. So what can people do in their own business? You talked a little bit about packaging to really kind of implement this way of thinking in their own practice, in their own field. Well, first of all, if you're starting to get bored with your business, Mm -hmm. your price isn't high enough. Okay, so whatever price you're charging for what you consider to be your maximum service and your best capabilities, but it's not doing the trick anymore, there's no magic to it for you, you aren't charging enough. So I remember back during the downturn in 08 and 09, Mm -hmm. one of our sales team brought up, would we ever discount during this period? And I said, well, I wouldn't discount, but I might double. And there was this gas double. They said, well, you know, it's a downturn. And I said, yeah, but it's not a downturn for everybody. It's only a downturn for the people that you're talking to. Uh. So I said, what if we doubled? And it was going from 10000 to 20000 I remember at the time. I said, why don't we just create this new program and we'll charge 20000 for it? And it filled up like nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this was a great learning experience for me because some people we had known about for 10 years, we'd been talking to them for 10 years, and they said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do the program sometime. But the moment we doubled our price, they started to sign up, and we had no problem selling out at twice the price we'd ever charged. And I have to tell you, I was very confident talking to our salesperson, yeah, we might double. I was scared. I I was scared. (laughs) I was really, really scared. I almost said a bad word there. (laughs) But afterwards, I started talking to people. I said, you know, you've been talking to us and you've been positive toward us for a long time, but you didn't sign up until we doubled our price. Why did you do that? And I said, because we knew who we weren't going to be in the room with. Mm. And we felt that at your previous price, we would be in a room with people I didn't really want to be in the room with. Because I knew some of them, and I didn't want to be in a room where they would be. But at double the price, I knew it was too rich for them. That type of person would never be. So again, this is very psychological. This is about, they're buying an experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the other thing about price is, if you're thinking about product, or you're thinking about service, I have to tell you, price is never based on product or service. Harley Davidson would be a great example. Anybody who knows motorcycles knows that Harley-Davidson is not the best motorcycle in the world. But the experience 
of owning a Harley and the sound of a Harley, especially the sound, it's a patented sound, is the most desirable motorcycle experience in the world. Mm -hmm. Not the greatest machine, not the greatest engineering, not the fastest and everything else. So people are overpaying for an experience. I mean, some people would say they're overpairing. And I have an older brother who for 20 years was a acoustical engineer for Harley, and his job was to modify the Harleys at the factory so they would pass the noise restrictions of any country. And then he had a way that once you got it into the country, you could turn the Harley sound back on, <laughs> you know. So I know this subject very, very intimately, you know. And I said, that they're not paying for a product here. They're not paying for a service. They're paying for an experience. I find this fascinating because a lot of people don't recognize that. And I think they it sounds harsh, but dumb themselves down or dumb down the experience or commoditize themselves when in fact what they need to be doing is increasing the value of the experience and increasing their price to make it exciting and a little bit scary. I mean, your pricing formula of double and then add 20% yeah, no, well, well, is scary. Well, yeah. So just to end this off, you know, I've got this kind of smart mouth answer. People say, well, how should I price that? And I says, well, raise your price in your mind right now and tell me when you're scared. Mm. And they say, okay, I'm scared. I'm scared of this price. And I said, okay, so your formula is, number one, the price you're charging scares you plus 20%. And they said, oh my God, oh my God, I'm really scared. And I said, no, listen to me. I said, you're the only one who's scared here. There's no check writer in the world who's scared now mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. you haven't asked anybody to write this check. And they said, well, why the 20%? And I says, because when they don't blink, then you don't have to kick yourself afterwards. And again, it's just psychological. It's just your confidence level. But your pricing is sure proof that you're willing to ask for a price that scares you plus 20% is that you're committed to yourself and you're committed to your value mm -hmm. and that you're willing to go through a period of courage, including the courage to be rejected mm -hmm. because you want to develop a new capability and be better paid for how good you think you are in the future. And that takes you to a whole level of different confidence. And the moment you do that, you will attract that new level of check writer into your world. Mm, Dan, this is so powerful. I love it. So the formula is it scares you plus, plus 20%. 20%. And I cannot tell you how many clients have come in after implementing the formula. Well, first of all, they charge a higher price than they've been charging. And then the person doesn't blink and they're like, they're kicking themselves like, oh, I should have asked for more. And your formula prevents that from ever happening. So we have had a lot of clients tested out and they're like, it worked. And then they absolutely deliver on that value because they know how to create a great experience. But it's such a powerful way to do it. And again, completely different than how anyone else thinks about pricing. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Shannon. 